still relatively lower in China, and household income are still growing. I, I think going forward, when the Chinese government talking about common prosperity, the household income growth should be strong. Mm-hmm. So and and plus the financial complexity here in China, they, they don't have the kind of Japan style sort of inter ownership between the bank and the corporates. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but it, but even if it doesn't go into a Japanese style recession, it seems what's clear yep. is that China's got to change its economic uh, model, hasn't it? It's got to wean itself off this over reliance on the property market at all levels. That's right. They have to slow down the property investments. And and slow down some of the other non-productive investments. Um, clearly, that the government is trying to switch into you know consumption and also high-tech sectors, etc., and new energy, etc. Um, but this is a long long process transition. Yeah. Okay, Hans. Thank you very much for coming in this morning. That's Han Fan, head of China fintech and financials research at CLSA. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio Three. Let's take a final look at the markets for this morning, which are seeing a bit of a rebound today. The ASX 200 in Australia up 1.8 percent. The Nikkei 225 in Japan rising 0.9 percent. Cosby in South Korea is up 1.7%. And when trading starts here in Hong Kong in about an hour's time, we're expecting a gain of about 400 points for the Hang Seng. Thank you very much for listening. I'll be back tomorrow morning for the final time this week at 8 o'clock. Coming up after the news, back chats with Janice Wong and Jenny Lam. The weather forecast, cloudy with showers and a few squally thunderstorms. Uh, temperatures about 30 degrees, sunny intervals and a few showers in the next couple of days and then becoming fine earlier next week. Uh, there is a thunderstorm warning in force, 26 degrees right now, 89% relative humidity. 8.32, here's Andrew Shrosky with the Half Hour News. Thank you, Peter. A counsellor says people seeking treatment for gambling addiction at his centre are getting younger and racking up bigger debts. Godfrey Ip from the Zion Social Service says during the pandemic, there's been a shift to online gambling where it's easier to bet and borrow money. He also says about half of the people seeking help at his centre were aged 39 or below. The gambling trend we consider probably has made both batching and boring easier in general, especially for the younger generation. And adding the token effect of betting with numbers on the screen instead of cold hard cash, this probably means a shorter time for things to get out of hand. On the other hand, because for on the side of counseling treatments, because of the social distancing requirements, we have to do more online counseling, which is harder for both counselors and the clients. Hurricane Ian is battering the U.S. state of Florida with powerful winds and a severe storm surge that's flooded communities along the southwest coast. There's also been flooding inland as the storm advances. The governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, said the storm surge was higher than three and a half meters in some places. This is a major, major storm. It's something that we knew was going to be significant. The strengthening of this uh, over the last uh, night, you know, has been really, really significant. Clearly, this is a very powerful major hurricane uh, that's going to have major impacts, both on impact in southwest Florida, but then as it continues to work through the state, uh, it is going to have major, major impacts uh, in terms of wind, in terms of rain, in terms of flooding. The United States has announced another $1.1 billion package of military aid for Ukraine. The funding is for contracts with suppliers rather than immediate delivery from U.S. stockpiles. Here's President Biden's spokeswoman, Karine Jean-Pierre. 
This includes 18 new high-mobility artillery rocket system and also known as HIMARS, which Ukraine has used so effect effectively on the battlefield. It is also includes hundreds of armored vehicles, radars, and counter drone systems. We will not be deterred from supporting Ukraine. We will continue to stand with the Ukrainian people and provide them with the security assistance they need to defend themselves for as long as it takes. A study has found that over the past decade, on average, an environmental activist was killed every two days. The Global Witness Report says that more than 1,700 people, many from indigenous communities, died while trying to prevent fossil fuel extraction and mining on their lands. Most green activist killings took place in Latin America. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Backchat. I'm Janice Wong and our guest presenter is Jenny Lam. Today, today we're looking at the path to recovery for the ailing airline industry following the scrapping of hotel quarantines for incoming travellers. Airlines are working to pile on flights and hire more staff to meet the surge in demand for outbound flights. Though the Travel Industry Council thinks the number of flights will lag behind demand for at least the rest of the year. And with the International Air Transport Association, the IATA, warning last week that Hong Kong has already lost its position as a global hub, it's clear that the entire aviation industry faces considerable headwinds. So can local airlines regain lost ground quickly? What challenges do they face? Can Hong Kong learn from mistakes previously made by overseas competitors? And after 9.15, we'll be looking at a study on the effectiveness of Chinese medicine on the long-term effects of COVID. Let us know what you think. You can leave us a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3, email us at backchat at rthk.hk, or give us a call at 233-8266. To kick off our discussion this morning, we have on the line independent aviation analyst Brendan Sobey and Stephen Chung, the founding chairman of the Hong Kong Professional Airline Pilots Association. Good morning to the both of you, and thanks for joining us on the program. So, um, Mr. Sobey, let's start with you. Um, how would you describe the state of Hong Kong's aviation industry at the moment? Well, I think well, we're quite behind, I mean, because... Mr. Sobi? Uh, uh, airline industry has been recovering from Singapore to the Middle East. I mean, in the Middle East, they haven't stopped at all. Uh, a lot of pilots have been put on furlough uh, in, in Hong Kong or on pay leave, and many of them have retired. Uh, uh, so uh, it's going to take a while to reactivate the air that's parked in the desert in Alice Spring, and, and, and it's going to take a while to train pilots as well. So a fresh uh, uh, employee will take about a year to a year and a half to two years to train to become a fully licensed airline pilot and then the experience that comes with it uh, uh, to reactivate the existing pilot that haven't, haven't flown for two years. It's going to take a while, plus the cabin crew that need training. So it's going to take a long while for the aviation industry to recover. And as, as Willie Welsh, the, uh, the the chairman of IATA said, you know, Hong Kong has um, has, has basically fallen out, fallen out of um, uh, being the top aviation hub in Asia and also in the world. Uh, if you see the ranking for the airport, we've dropped out of the top ten, 
uh, a, a, a flagship airline has also dropped out from the top ten. So, so uh, we need to work incredibly hard to to gain back the global aviation hub rating. And uh, Mr. Sobi, um, Hong Kong has just scrapped a hotel quarantine. How much help do you think this will uh, really bring to the aviation industry? I mean, uh, we've already been seeing a significant surge in the number of flight bookings over the past uh, couple of days. Um, that's a really a good sign, right? Um, it's certainly another positive step um, and, and the biggest step to date um, in the in the recovery. But it's it's not a full. Uh, it won't. Um, drive full recovery because there's still restrictions in Hong Kong. Hong Kong is still not competitive as a destination due to the restrictions um, that, you know, that uh, a visitor will encounter in the first three days uh, and also because there's still uh, COVID testing um, required, which is, uh, which is um, not the case in almost all other destinations. So but what this will drive is, is certainly an increase in um, outbound traffic that Hong Kong residents um, traveling overseas. And we've already seen a little bit of an increase Based on the uh, earlier steps from a few months ago, with the, the reduction in quarantine and, and other and other measures, uh, which has you know improved Hong Kong traffic slightly, but still even in August, um, Hong Kong traffic was only eight uh, percent of of 2019 levels. Um, and I think you know with with these latest measures, we, we will see it definitely uh, improve significantly, up to you know maybe 20, 30 percent pretty quickly. Um, but to reach, uh, you know, like say uh, what Singapore has and some of the other hubs, which is uh, over 50 percent, 60 percent, even some places in Asia, you know, 17, 80 percent at this point, you have to have a complete relaxation um, uh, of all restrictions and for the inbound market to re- recover fully. So, so this is just this is still just a step. It's not it's not um, it's not sufficient to uh, even match what other. Um, airports in Asia are, are, are achieving at the moment. Uh, so, Stephen John, let's talk, let's talk a little bit about Hong Kong flagship airline Cafe Pacific. So, you know, Skytrax, one of these ranking agencies, um, it, it, it says the Cafe Pacific has dropped 10 places to the 16th in, in the, in the uh, sort of top 100 airlines in the world. Now, Cafe, you know, they lost many, many pilots. Actually, they lost about 850 of them um, since the start of the pandemic. Um, can they catch up? What, will they be able to train pilots, or what does it take to rehire some of the people who quit? Well, it's going to be incredibly difficult because there's a shortage of pilots in America, and a lot of them have left uh, Hong Kong for for a high-paying job over there. I mean, uh, the, the 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 bonuses and the sign-on is it's almost uh, for 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 a top airline in the U.S. is almost from six hundred uh, sixty thousand to one hundred thousand U.S. dollars just for the sign-on bonus. So it's a no-brainer for for pilots that haven't flown for a year to 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 start their career elsewhere. Uh, um, in terms of rehiring, it's it's a very long and tedious process because you need to find the right people at the right time. To, to sit on the flight there because safety is absolute priority for the aviation industry and, and Cathay is one of the flagship airlines in the world to take uh, uh, I think the airline industry in Hong Kong in general they, 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 they take safety uh, very very seriously so so it, it, it's going to be incredibly uh, difficult and tedious process I mean it's, it's restarting but if you look at um, uh, um, Europe uh, in Amsterdam, uh, the the airport have difficulty processing passengers because there were lack of security. In America, there were lack of crews or flight were being cancelled. So it's going to be a gradual process 
to to resume and adding and increasing flights and seats. Uh, how, however, I'm not a representative of the airline, so I cannot say what is their plan uh, for 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 the uh, three major airlines in Hong Kong. Uh, but um, it's going to be very very long and tedious. Uh, the other thing is um, the, the competition from other airlines as well, because they're operating normally. So from next month on, they can simply switch aircraft and increase flights uh, and seats uh, to Hong Kong. So it's going to definitely eat up the market share of the, the, the Hong Kong aviation market. And, and if you look at uh, the flights, I mean, for example, from, from Manila to Hong Kong, uh, the low-cost airline from the Philippines are selling uh, flight as cheap as uh, four five hundred. So, so uh, it, it's going to be difficult to compete if 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 the flights are you know, uh, for example, to Japan, it's over uh, ten twelve thousand Hong Kong dollars already. All right, Mr. Chung, I have a comment here from our listener, Richard. He says, um, the question, can Hong Kong learn from mistakes previously made by overseas competitors, is an odd one. The way I see it is that Hong Kong leads the world in mistakes made, particularly the government with regards to the airline industry. There was no plan, and even if there was one, nobody told the airline industry. Quick fact, there is a fleet of 777 aircraft available, but very few people trained to fly the planes. We had so much time to get ready, but nothing happened. Shameful. And uh, that message was from Richard. Mr. Chung, is that an accurate picture of the situation painted by our listener? I mean, um, there, there are many planes, are there many planes available, but just uh, very few people trained to fly them? Well, it, it, it's not. Uh, there, there are plenty of people trained to fly them, but they haven't flown for the last two years. So it takes time to reactivate them. So it's a bit of chicken and egg. You need the aircraft to be flying to 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 train the pilot. So you've got to have uh, training on the job, uh, line training to reactivate them, and training on a simulator. So it, it, it's a chicken and egg question. And, and in terms of the government policy, uh, of course, we we. we don't know uh, when we, the restriction is going to be lifted, and, and uh, 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 the zero plus three is definitely going to stimulate the 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 the, the um, outbound travellers. But we have to remember there's only seven million people from Hong Kong SAR. Uh, majority of the airline in Hong Kong, and Hong Kong being a flagship aviation hub pre 2019, uh, uh, counts on transit passengers. So we definitely need to do more to support the airline industry in Hong Kong uh, to, 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 to regain that uh, flagship aviation hub. And you have to remember, it's part of the 14 5 years plan uh, of, of, of China to turn Hong Kong into a major global aviation hub. So it, it, we, we really need to do more uh, to, to assist the airline in, in, in terms of um, the, the recovery process. And Hong Kong has been a, uh, a global aviation hub for cargo the, the last two years, despite grounding of a passenger airline. So uh, uh, they've been running incredibly well um, uh, during COVID. So I think we just need to do more uh, in terms of uh, uh, getting the airline up and running and supporting them and having a more stable policy, including uh, a zero plus zero like, like Singapore or, or other places in Asia. 
Now, uh, we did try to invite Cathay onto this program, but uh, well, they can't come, but they did send a statement, and they said that, that Cathay Pacific has sufficient qualified and experienced aviation professionals. And they talk about, you know, the, the a huge recruitment program. They want to get 4,000 frontline employees, about 700 pilots, 2,000 cabin crew, and, and lots of uh, customer service officers, 1,000. Now, I'll tell you, um, this is in the news um, just a few days ago. They only managed to get a fraction um, of, of the numbers, um, e even people showing interest. Um, just from experience, it, I tried to call them the other day. This is the experience when you call customer service at Cathay now. Um, there's nobody answering the phone for more than an hour. They try to contact you on WhatsApp, and then they don't answer, in fact, until 24 hours later. It is not just about the pilots. It's, it's about customer care. Now, some of these customer cares for a lot of companies, Mr. Sobey, can actually be done overseas. What is the problem here? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it takes time to uh, to recruit. It's, it's actually quite a difficult uh, market right now to, to find people, uh, to, to hire them and, and to train them. And that, that goes across all, all um, uh, through the entire ecosystem, all, all types of jobs. I mean, customer care is obviously, and call centers, is a lot of that, yes, is outsourced. And, uh, you know, but even that, it takes time to, to find people and train them and to manage them properly. Bring them, bring them online. Uh, have the, you know everything in place. Um, but it, you know, and, it, and it's a lot more than just pilots and the, you know, there's the mechanics and there's uh, all the airport-related staff and, and a lot of this airport-related staff is like ground handling companies and other types of companies in the ecosystem where we've seen, uh, which has actually been a main, you know, pain point in, in other regions and in other airports as the things have spooled up. So, uh, you know, a lot of these people um, have have left during the pandemic. Um, you know, in some cases, you know, they were overseas workers in Hong Kong and. and other places like Singapore that went home. Um, it's about bringing them back, and you know, of course, Hong Kong was not necessarily a very attractive place to uh, bring uh, foreign talent into, uh, given all the restrictions. So it, until um, until very recently, when things you know were starting to look up and look, Hong Kong was looking better as a place uh, to you know to live. Um, you know, it, it, it's very difficult. And Cafe had these plans for several months to spool back up. They knew it was coming, but the problem was they didn't know when. So um, you know, it's 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 very difficult. You know, chicken and egg like. So we hear the word eventually and, and a long time a lot. Um, 
Cathay Pacific actually uh, uh, a few days ago um, said they hope to increase the number of flights uh, three times towards the end of the year. Is that realistic? Um, yeah, I think I think it, it is. Um, you know, they, they they've been planning for this for a while. Um, you know, they, they, they the reactivation of the aircraft uh, and the bringing back of, 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 of staff and the hiring of new staff. It's been in the works for some time. Um, it, it, but um, you know, and, and the three times as many flights is, it sounds like a huge number, but it's actually on a very small base. Um, and it, and they have three months to do it. Um, you know, before, you know, or two, maybe two months before kind of the beginning of the peak season. They will still be way behind other airlines in, in the region, uh, and of course globally, and in terms of their capacity levels, even with three times the number of flights. So that's only the first step, and, and even with three times the number of flights, they, the supply will probably be less than demand. Although it does depend on, on uh, you know, if there's restrictions in the inbound uh, market to, to try to get more more people back. But just based on outbound travel, what we've seen in many markets is, is that there's so much pent up demand for not having traveled in two years or two or more, two and a half years now that that uh, everybody will want to travel at once. So, um, so, 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 so I guess I do think it's realistic, but it's just the first step, and, and I also think it won't be uh, enough in, based on demand, and we're going to see high fares uh, for the for the peak season, of course. All right. I have an email here from Leon. He says, uh, Dear Backchat, on the broader subject of a resumption in air travel, I had a question about air miles. Like most Hong Kongers, I have not traveled for almost three years. As a result, I have substantial Cathay Pacific miles which have been sitting idle in my Asia Miles account. Many of these miles are due to expire over the next few months. Given that the current and expected surge in travel demand, it will clearly exceed supply of flights. It will be almost impossible to utilize these miles for the foreseeable future. Given that scenario, Cathay, which is partly owned by the SAR government, should consider extending the expiry of Asia Miles by at least 12 months. And uh, that email is from Leon, um, Mr. Sobi, what, what are um, what have other airlines in other parts of the world been doing about this yeah, kind of situation? Yeah, I mean, those, those airlines that have had expiration of miles, they they they've been extending them throughout the pandemic and until there's a reasonable amount of capacity. Uh, Singapore Airlines, for example, a lot of airlines don't have expiration uh, of miles, and, uh, you know, and, and and unfortunately, a lot of airlines, even despite the pandemic, still have these policies. Or, or those airlines that have the expiration policies haven't changed their expiration policies for the most part, but they've been basically extending miles. But, um, and, and I would, and I don't know what Cathay, you know, where Cathay is in deciding when, uh, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll stop extending miles. Uh, but I, I would think that they would wait a, a bit longer. Hopefully they will until, um, until, you know, they have a, a larger or more, more of a pre-COVID kind of schedule backup. And then, then they can then obviously look, we look at, um, you know, re-implementing, uh, the policies that they had before the pandemic with the expiring miles. And, uh, but I think, um, you know, maybe they just haven't decided yet or they've been doing it just, you know, six months or a year at a time like many other airlines rather than have a, have a blanket uh, longer-term waiver of, of ex- expiring miles. Uh, uh, but, uh, but it will be difficult to redeem miles. It has been in many other markets, uh, just during the surge, during the, you know, during the initial surge. But you generally can book uh, using miles, you know, on, on a longer window basis. So you can always uh, book like you know, eight, nine months ahead of time uh, and use your miles now for, for a trip, say, middle of next year when their availability on, on for something like that would probably be a lot better than availability for, say, um, you know, December of this year. Yeah, air miles is one thing, but also the uh, prices of the tickets. So as more airlines come 
to Hong Kong, uh, British Airways and Lufthansa, for example, are saying that they plan to fly daily into Hong Kong. Um, when Cathay's tickets are relatively expensive to those, isn't Cathay going to lose out even worse? Mr. Sobi? Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think so, because I think that some foreign airlines will add capacity, yes, but they're not going to add enough capacity to meet demand, just like Cathay won't be able to add quite as much capacity to meet demand, uh, you know, especially in the peak periods and, and, and the initial kind of phase of, of the recovery uh, of following the, the, the reopening, um, you know, because there'll be so much pent-up demand, and, and especially during the holiday season, which is where we, what, what we've seen in other markets. I mean, Hong Kong is one of the last markets to reopen, of course, so we can learn from all the experiences elsewhere, and, and this is what's happened elsewhere, and this is what will happen in Hong Kong. You, the foreign airlines will add capacity, but they can't add that much capacity because they're constrained themselves. They they have manpower issues. They have the, the flights where they're operating now, they're almost all entirely full because um, the other markets that, you know, the foreign airlines are serving, you know, it, it, the situation is generally that the demand is higher than supply. So they're not going to want to take away a flight from another market to put it into Hong Kong uh, just because all those flights are, are doing very well, high load factors, high yields, and they're not going you know, they can't add so many flights either because, you know, they're going through this process of trying to add back capacity, but it's a gradual process to hire staff and bring back aircraft. So they can't just, like, dump a lot of additional flights into Hong Kong very easily. It'll be, like, a little bit here and there gradually. And it just, again, it won't be enough to meet the demand. So both Cathay and, and foreign airlines will have the situation where there will be an imbalance with um, lower supply than demand probably for uh, at least um, six months or so um, and that before before things start to, to um, ease in terms of the supply constraints that we, that are now impacting the market. So Cathay's not going to lose out. They, they, um, they, I think um, I think they'll, they'll enjoy uh, high yield and high market share uh, for, for this period. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stephen Chung, you know, Cathay actually had some pretty generous bailout from the government um, during the pandemic. What is the best way to use that money now to help them recover? Well, I think it's certainly to get the um, recovery process as quickly as possible. But you have to be uh, remember that the, the fuel prices is extremely volatile at the moment with, with, with what's going on in the world at the moment. And also the, 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 the currency. I mean, passengers from around the world use various currency. I mean, uh, the pound sterling has lost 25% of its value. So so it is a very difficult operating environment. And with, with that cash, I think we just need to uh, train as much uh, employee with as pilot, cabin crew, ground crew, and, and, and reactivating the aircraft. I mean, the, that's, that's the best way to move forward, just to get back to uh, operational. But, but at the same time, you just got to balance the, the, the cost, uh, the demand, and, 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 and the risk. Uh, there, there, there are inherited risks to, to, to reactivate too quickly, and the, the demand is not quite there yet because it's still zero plus rate. So hence, um, um, uh, the... the, 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 the we don't want to flood the market with supplies. Uh, at the same time, uh, we don't want to lose out on the market share with, with, with other foreign airlines being able to switch uh, an, an aircraft and operate in Hong Kong just like that. And you have to remember that some of the route has been returned. Uh, the, the traffic route has been returned when, when, when Cafe Dragon was shut down. So it takes time and, and regulatory approval again to reactivate those routes or applying for traffic rights in particular airports. Uh, um, so, so during the pandemic, some flights were operated empty because they just need to keep keep the slots. Uh, for example, London Heathrow. Um, uh, 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 and now it's it's about getting those traffic rights back, uh, getting the the aircraft. 
uh, ready for operational uh, and the pilot and, and the cabin crew and the, and the manpower uh, uh, sufficiently uh, manned to, to reactivate the airline. Yeah, so you, you talked about uh, stepping up training just now. You know, right now, according to people at Cathay uh, that I've talked to, um, is that they, they, they currently, you know, uh, train about 100 um, cadets a, a year. And even after that year, these people have no commercial flying experience. They, they need several years to to really become, you know, a first officer or a co-pilot of some kind. Um, they've lost more than 800 pilots how can you step up to meet that demands isn't the obvious thing to hire pilots from elsewhere who have experience already well absolutely but again i can't i can't speak for a particular airline i mean for the free airlines in hong kong uh cathay hong kong airlines and greater Bay airline it, you, i mean the, the no-brainer is to hire uh, foreign talents uh, expats to fly into hong kong however it's not very competitive i mean majority of the expat left hong kong uh, last year, when the world was start, uh, started to open up, and we still had a uh, 14 days quarantine, and then it went down to seven. But it's still, I mean, if you've got kids uh, studying in the UK or in Australia, and, and, and you're, you're half a world apart, uh, it's very difficult to have a normal family life for airline pilots. So hence, many of them have left. Uh, on top of that, there were shortage of pilots around the world. So the uh, airline were willing to pay them a huge sign-on bonus and, and a majority increase in their salary. So a lot of them decided to leave Hong Kong for good and, and they've been here for uh, 20, 30 years and they've they still got, uh, you know, 10, 20 years left of flying because right. we're, we're forced to retire by the time we're 60. So, All right, Mr. Um, Chung, unfortunately, it, 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 Mr. Chung, unfortunately, we're out of time. We have to take a short break for the news. Um, many thanks again for joining us this morning. That's uh, Stephen Chung, the founding chairman of the Hong Kong Professional Airline Pilots Association. Mr. Sobi, you'll be staying with us for a bit longer so we can continue our discussion after the news when we will be joined by Stan. Stanley Khan, chairman of the Greater Bay Area Aviation Exchange Association. And after 9.15, we'll look at a new study on Chinese medicine. Now, here's the weather, mainly cloudy with showers and a few thunderstorms. Sunny intervals later with highs of around 30 degrees. Winds moderate to fresh easterlies, occasionally fresh offshore at first. Right now, it's 25 degrees and the relative humidity, 91%. RTHK Welcome back. This is Back Chat on a Thursday morning with Jenny Lam and me, Janice Wong. Still with us on the program is independent aviation analyst Brendan Sobey. And joining us now is Stanley Khan, a chairman of the Greater Bay Area Aviation Exchange Association. Now, before we return to our discussion, remember you can give us a call on 233-88266 if you have any questions for our guests this morning. You can also leave a message on our Facebook page, Back Chat on RTHK Radio 3, or email us at backchat at rthk.com. HK. Good morning, Mr. Khan. Hey, hello, good morning. Thanks for joining us on the program. So in the first half of the program, Mr. Sobi, who is still with us uh, here on the program, he painted a pretty bleak picture of Hong Kong's aviation industry. He said it will take some time for um, the industry here to recover. What's your thoughts on uh, um, the current state of, the, of Hong Kong's aviation industry? Well, I think uh, it's certainly what uh, the TIC mentioned about the uh, outbound travel will be... Um, well, we will soon, you know, as far as possible. And then uh, based on the current situations, well, I will say definitely uh, there's a very good uh, encouraging uh, strategies for the industry and for the related parties. Demand and supply currently will be in uh, imbalanced uh, situations. Uh, how I'm saying so is a lot of people actually now they are waiting to 
or they wanted to come to Hong Kong. And at the same time, all of Hong Kong people, they plan to go out as well. However, we can see the local carriers, they are facing a lot of challenge and their conditions in terms of their manpowers, airplane, and then all the uh, facilitations. So therefore, in the very short period of time, I don't think the uh, demand and supply will be uh, very reasonably can be covered. Therefore, that may be also cost the airfare will be uh, increased, you know, compared with uh, before. Therefore, it's, uh, eventually it may also impact some of the people travel willingness. People may willing to travel, but when they do the ticket, it's very expensive, so they may consider tries in order to, to facilitate their travel plan. So that's the right. situation. Okay. Uh, the, the airlines aside, we know that um, the, the mainland and, and Hong Kong have, have great plans for the Greater Bay Area. We also know that the Greater Bay Airlines has been um, trying to, um, uh, you know, get, get, a, get themselves up and running. Is Hong Kong going to lose its place as an aviation hub to the Greater Bay Area eventually? Well, I don't think we can uh, say like this way because you know that in the last three years, you know, basically Hong Kong in a, a kind of uh, hard lockdown situations. Although we still maintain we have an international travel, uh, our passengers come and go, but you know that mainland and Hong Kong basically will be uh, stopped uh, based on the China uh, uh, quarantine policy. But at least you know this is a good uh, we started for Hong Kong. But um, in this case, we need to also give uh, some more time for the local carriers, such as uh, Cafe, Hong Kong Express, and then uh, probably Hong Kong Airlines uh, taking some time to uh, regain their plan. First of all, we, we see the uh, Cafe Pacific already mentioned that uh, in the few days before, uh, probably by the end of the year, they can only cover uh, about 30% of uh, their traffic or capability compared with 2019. Um, Hong Kong Express yesterday, they did mention about that in the next few months. So they are able to uh, offer about 80,000 capability. I think um, other airlines will have similar situations. So this is a good uh, starting to regain Hong Kong as an international hub. But, you know, we can't push too much and we can't push in too fast. Mr. Sobi, what do you think? Is Hong Kong going to lose its place as an aviation hub? I do not think so. To Greater Bay Area, I I to Singapore? Very, I, I feel very confident about Hong Kong's uh, unique uh, role and the positions. But of course, you know, compared with uh, Singapore and some of the uh, cities in Southeast Asia, they may be doing their recovering plan a bit faster. But yeah. you know, Hong Kong is picking, picking it up. I will assume in the next six to nine months' time, you know, uh, I think we will have a very good uh, perspective and then the uh, very good trend in order to get back our positions. Right, Mr. Sobi, what do you think? We've talked about how, how long, you know, maybe years it will take for the airline to recover. Is Hong Kong going to lose its place as an aviation hub? I mean, the short answer is it's too early to know, but I think over the long term, you know, certainly um, the most likely it will, it will regain its status. Uh, just geographically, Hong Kong is in a great place, and, and uh, all the advantages that had pre-COVID are, are actually still there. The fundamentals are still there. Um, but it's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's early days, and what, what, there's a lot of uncertainty out there um, in terms of the, you know, changing, changing, changes in travel patterns post post pandemic. Um, so, so, and, and Hong Kong relies a lot on mainland China, uh, you know, in terms of connections with mainland China, and we don't really know, uh, you know, what's going to happen.
we, we, we think we'll reopen at some point, obviously, uh, hopefully next year. But when it does reopen, will it look different? Will, will the Chinese travel patterns uh, fundamentally be different than they were pre-COVID? And this is a big question for, for everyone that has a, a reliance on the China market, which is, which is virtually every, every uh, urban country in, in Asia has a reliance on mainland China. But Hong Kong in particular has, a, has an even higher reliance on mainland China. And um, so, so, so it's very much tied to China, and then also, you know, like if you compare it to um, other airports in, in the Greater Bay Area, um, that that's also, you know, the, the question is what, what, what you know, the, the fundamentals are there for, for everyone in, in mainland China and in Hong Kong on both sides of the bridge. But the um, the question is, is what will what will mainland China look like, you know, in five and ten years time? Will there be permanent uh, ramifications in terms of what the China market will? Will, will look like. Um, but, but again, it, it, it's just too early to really know for sure. But I, I'm pretty confident that Hong Kong will regain um, status once, once, um, once, once everything, you know, is back, back to, uh, you know, uh, to pre, pre-COVID, uh, you know, normalcy or more or less. It's just that there's a lot of uncertainty out there. And um, earlier on the program, we talked about uh, Cathay Pacific's plan to uh, hire thousands of staff uh, from now until the end of next year. Um, Mr. Khan, you used to be a former Hong Kong Airlines executive. Uh, do you think it will be um, significantly more difficult or more challenging for budget airlines to recover compared to bigger ones like Cathay? I think one of the uh, most uh, difficult part, as you mentioned, about is the manpower. First of all, how we can... Uh, able to bring back the people since they're already changing their career from airlines to other business. And first of all, how you are attractive enough to bring back to aviations. How to guarantee or how kind of a package. Or probably package you can't much, you know, you know, how you can bring back those people their confidence to come back to aviations. That is point number one. Second, how we are going to attract the new people you know, probably the new uh, graduated students or the people who know they really need to join issues and they plan as their career. And point number three, probably we need to also think about other opportunities. I think that's one of the concerns, point, especially for pilot or cabin crew or engineering. So kind of people uh, it's not very easy to get it in Hong Kong. Well, cabin crew, yes. But, you know, if uh, a lot of people already decided to probably changing their careers, and then probably uh, one of the very part will be export labels. So I will not think that we need to do this, you know, as you say, you know, this consideration point for the airlines, governments, and the parties, probably we need to do this All right. I have a comment here from our listener, Kim. She says that, um, of course, after the cancellation of inbound hotel quarantine, revenge travel is now full on and prices are shooting through the roof. We have been accumulating a gazillion points on our spending the last two years, but could not fly. Now the promised flight awards are not even bookable, or suddenly you need double or triple the number of miles. I don't think this will create any loyalty from us frequent travelers towards our carriers. Once the first travel rush is over, without completely dropping the pandemic restriction, especially the three days of medical surveillance, demand will sharply drop as locals will have satisfied their travel needs. Key is now to stop all travel restrictions. So, Mr. Khan, do you think the surge in demand for outbound travel in Hong Kong um, will only be short-term, as suggested by our listener? 
Well, I think we also need to wait and see because you know that the new uh, currency policy is just uh, making the implemented. Uh, at this stage, you can just comment and then and conclude how it's going to be impact and how strong impact of this uh, current situation. But definitely, I think that will be uh, encouraging because Hong Kong now is basically aligned with all with most of the cities of their current policy. I think some of the guest speakers they mentioned about because we can't uh, underestimate it, uh, we can't um, uh, um, overlook the uh, China market because that is also one of the huge uh, 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 market for Hong Kong uh, admissions uh, uh, industry. But of course, uh, China is also underestimated their uh, currency policy. Do we have any kind of relief uh, policy or promotion? Don't know yet. But I'm sure the people are all looking at that. I'm sure Hong Kong will have, first of all, to stand in our position and, and um, thinking about how we're going to continuously maintain our international relation. I think that will be definitely, and the government will be support as well. But at the same time, we also need to fund our way how we are able to align with some of the China quarantine policy. You know, that will be definitely uh, uh, our Hong Kong government's need to very carefully extend it. And I do hope, you know, more experts and more people will give some more uh, comments to Hong Kong governments in order to, you know, put in their situations better or better. And uh, Mr. Sobi, if our listeners uh, wish did come true and there was uh, no travel restrictions, uh, how much faster would the uh, aviation uh, industry here recover? Well, probably twice as fast because um, the, uh, the inbound market is, is actually the, the larger segment, over over 40% of the overall segment, which is, um, you know, attracting visitors to Hong Kong again. And that, to really attract that, you have to lift all restrictions and make Hong Kong a competitive destination, given that, again, so many, most, almost every place in the world now is, doesn't have these restrictions, no, no testing requirements, no three days medical surveillance. So, 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 so to unleash the outbound market, uh, I mean, to unleash the inbound market, you need to basically lift the restrictions. And outbound as well, of course, um, you know, it, it will also improve, you know, significantly without any restrictions. Now, now it's definitely quite more manageable for Hong Kong residents to, to leave and come back. But um, you know, it, it will be um, even more appealing uh, without any restrictions. Uh, and, and the other issue is mainland China again. I mean, Hong Kong does attract quite a lot of travelers from main, uh, from from uh, the, the mainland side. Um, you know, uh, from from Shenzhen and, and, and the Shenzhen area. So, so there's, you know, and until the borders reopen, um, you know, it's it's, uh, it's impossible to attract that that segment of the traffic, and 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 then, then the third segment is transit, which is um, very important, uh, accounts for over 20% of overall traffic at Hong Kong pre-COVID, and to attract that, you you have to build rebuild the network, and you also pretty much have to have mainland China back up and running because a lot of the connections are to 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 mainland China. So, um, so two things have to happen. One is you have to have, you know complete waiving of all restrictions. Zero plus zero, and then the second thing would, would be China has to reopen, which will happen later, but will happen eventually. And then once once you have those two other kind of steps, then then you'll have a much faster recovery, uh, and um, and you'll you'll have Hong Kong return to to, to 2018 traffic levels potentially. Um, but actually, it's better that it doesn't happen all at once because if, if all three of those things happen at once, there's no way the airlines can cope. There's no way the airport can cope. There's not enough nothing. There's not enough aircraft. So. By having steps actually kind of makes it a little bit more manageable in some respects. The problem is, is we don't know when the other two things will happen, so it's impossible to plan. 
airline can't plan, the airport can't plan. You, you ideally would have an idea when, when um, you know, when, when all the restrictions are lifted and when China reopens. So you can plan, but you can't. So, so that makes it a, a, a little bit more challenging. Wait, we saw the um, chaos at Heathrow Airport when when the UK reopened um, its its uh, you know um, airline industry and the flying etc. Um, are we going to see that in Hong Kong? Are we at risk of seeing our airport not being able to cope? Um, uh, that, that's unlikely um, because um, Hong Kong is in a different position uh, in, in terms of uh, you know manpower, uh, but also in terms of how fast the market recovers. So in Heathrow and in Europe generally, you had you had at the beginning uh, of this year when when the Omicron wave hit, you had traffic at very low levels. Um, you know, there was a big setback in the market, so you had less traffic at like 10, 20 percent of normal levels, and, and, and staffing was, you know, uh, the airlines and the airports and all the staffing levels were reduced because there was, nobody knew what was happening and the government support wasn't necessarily there. Um, so, but then all of a sudden, Omicron, you know, as it turned out, was very mild, and, and it was it, it ended up having a full reopening almost just a couple months later. So, so the traffic levels went from like 10, 20 percent to like. 60, 70 percent, would have gone even higher, even 100 percent this summer if it wasn't for the constraints. In Hong Kong, you're not going to go from what is 8 percent now to 80 percent in two months or, or even 60 percent because it, it's a more gradual uh, kind of recovery because mainland China has to reopen to, to have a, you know anything above 50 percent anyway. And But also right now, it's really more outbound rather than inbound given the restrictions. So so it, it, it's it's um, I, like I was saying. I think you know, you know, if if if, 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 if in a perfect scenario you would actually have these different um, you know triggers happening at different times, uh, and in a perfect scenario the airlines and everybody would know when these triggers happen. But of course you don't. Um, so in Europe you 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 just had this massive um, increase in demand from you know like uh, that, that you're not going to have in Hong Kong. Uh, and also, I think um, you know the, the labor situation is a little bit different in Asia generally than in Europe. Um, so, um, so I don't think what we, what happened in London will happen in Hong Kong. What different is um, easier to hire people here? Different how? Uh, you said uh, the labor market here different. is different oh, from I Europe. Mean, it's, it's, um, I mean, just generally speaking, in Asia, you haven't seen these issues um, uh, because um, it, yeah, they, they, you know, in in, in Europe and in. in North America and even in Australia, where you've seen these issues, it, it's it's the job market is is it's it's, it's a lot tighter. Um, it, there's a lot of restrictions on, on bringing in foreign foreign workers, for example. Um, you know, the, the it's it's just a much different kind of um, labor environment uh, from a from a unionization perspective, from a, from a job market perspective, from a, you know restrictions on 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 uh, bringing in foreigners. Um, from a just you know the market, so the markets, the labor markets is very different. So that that's one major reason. Um, but another major reason again is the demand curve. Um, you know, again in Europe and in other places, um, in other regions, the, the demand shot up much more quickly than than what we saw in in Asia and and what we will now see in, in Hong Kong, just because it's a more gradual increase because you have everything. You have like an outbound opening, then you might have inbound opening. And then you'll have finally, I mean, in China opening. So would it be, yeah. yeah. You mentioned these labor issues. So would it be fair to say that as long as Hong Kong can offer the attractive pay packages, we can bring in enough people fairly quickly? Would that be a yeah, fair I mean, thing to say? Yes, I think, I think, I think, um, I mean, I think if, if um, I think, 
that is possible, especially now that you know Hong Kong is hopefully becoming a bit more attractive as a place to live again. Um, obviously, a few months ago or even a few weeks ago, a lot of people wouldn't want to move to Hong Kong. But I mean, it, there are um, you know there there is an ability, and Singapore. I mean, the best example is Singapore. Singapore, you know, was behind in terms of manpower. Um, I mean, they. Uh, at the beginning of the recovery when the borders reopened in April and, and you know, that the, the demand was higher than the supply in terms of airline capacity and, and that was, a lot of that was manpower constraints. But they did, you know, bring in foreign talent, um, uh, you know, to, 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 to resolve that issue. But it took time, obviously, and we're now kind of finally seeing that, that uh, the progress, you know, the benefits from that just, just more recently, you know, because Singapore was down to two terminals, so they just reopening the other two terminals just very recently, actually, uh, and because they, they couldn't reopen the other two terminals, even though they should have earlier because of the manpower constraints. All right, so I have so, two. Um, I have, to, um, no, I have I two. All right, so I have two emails here. This one is from Alonso. It's in response to a, a comment made by Jenny earlier. Um, he says. Uh, well said. She's absolutely correct in suggesting that uh, Cathay's telephone customer service is atrocious. And uh, that email is from Alonso. And uh, also I have another email here from David. He says, uh, now fuel has become cheaper. Are we going to get cheaper flights? And now the British currency has dropped. Why don't you buy the aviation fuel in England? And uh, that message is from David. Mr. Khan, are you still there? Mr. Khan? Mr. Khan? Obviously All right, I, I guess he's Mr. gone. Sobe? Mr. Sobe? Buy the aviation fuel from the UK? <laughs> it's, uh, unfortunately, that, it doesn't work that way. The, I mean, the thing with <laughs> the fuel, it's, it's a very unpredictable, like, where fuel prices will go. And um, actually, you know, it, it, fuel prices historically don't always dictate airfares. In fact, they usually don't. A lot of times, you know, fuel prices go up and fares go down and vice versa. Airfares are about supply and demand. And right now, um, you know, we have uh, excess demand everywhere demand well above supply in many markets so and that, that's why that's why fares are high of course fuel doesn't help um but um you know if, if, if we have an economic crisis for example and, and and demand goes down and um you know that's 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 you know when you would see fares go down as well because um you know that that's you know the, the airlines are competitive and they have to basically be able to to fill fill the seats on the airplane at the best price that they can generate uh, through their revenue management tools and at the moment their revenue management tools are telling them they can they can they can um, you know have the you know some of the highest fares we've ever seen in the history you know in, in many many years and, and still fill the plane so that's that's what's happening at the moment um, it's actually not driven by fuel prices necessarily all right so mr serby we'll have to leave it here for now thanks again for joining us this morning that's uh, independent aviation analyst brendan serby and uh, many thanks also to uh, stanley khan chairman of the greater bay area aviation exchange association you're listening to Backchat. call us on two double three double eight two double six and have your say it's now 23 minutes past nine. Let's move on to our second topic today. And it's about a new study on the effectiveness of Chinese medicine on COVID-19 rehabilitation. The study was carried out by the Hospital Authority in collaboration with several universities and Chinese medicine clinics in Hong Kong. To tell us more, we're now joined by Professor Bian Zhao Shang, Associate Vice President of Chinese Medicine Development at Baptist University, who helped carry out the study. Good morning, Professor Bian. 
Good morning. Thanks for joining us on the program. Um, before we talk about the study, I have this comment from our listener, Henry. He says that um, Chinese medicine is definitely good for fighting against COVID-19. Millions of people using it on the mainland tells us loud and clear about its effectiveness. So, um, Professor Bian, if uh, many people like Henry think uh, Chinese medicine is useful, why did you and, and, and your partners um, decide to carry out the study? The campus, this study is carried out around uh, starting from the two, uh, 2020. Uh, the patients uh, from the, the, the first uh, to the fourth wave of the COVID. And uh, that time, uh, most of the patients suffer from the uh, rehabilitation problems. Because after the COVID, they have uh, issues. Uh, even they have been uh, tested as an active, but they still suffer from some clinical uh, symptoms. And the patients are seeking Chinese medicine treatment. So we say, okay, let's uh, have a study to see whether Chinese medicine can help those group of patients. That's the reason why we conduct this study. So, so what were the uh, so what did you find out? Yeah, the, the study, as you mentioned, uh, in the uh, full, uh, in the whole study period, we recruit around the 150 patients, which they are recovering from the COVID. And uh, the study have the majorly uh, two uh, objectives. The first one, we assess whether uh, what kind of the basic situation when they diagnosis as a COVID. And the second, we want to have a, a, a prospective uh, observational study to see whether the Chinese medicine can help them. Uh, in the study finding, we found that most of the patients, which is uh, coming from our retrospective study for their baselines, most of the patients, they have uh, hospitalized and uh, suffer from many of the symptoms at the beginning when their diagnosis as a uh, COVID. The most common symptoms for them be hospitalized is a higher fever, fatigue, and a dry cough. That's a major issue. And we also find that uh, in our studies that uh, Chinese medicine can significantly change can help them improve the clinical symptoms like the cough, like the fatigue and uh, uh, short breaths. That's the first one. The second one, we also use uh, some uh, clinical um, assessment. We use uh, a six meter walking distance as an objective assessment to see uh, the patient's uh, improvement before and after the treatment. In the, the patients in our study, we uh, received uh, six months of treatment. In fact, we have uh, uh, two causes. The first cause is three months. The second cause another three months. The clinical doctor will decide whether they need the second cause of the treatment. The three months and the six months of treatment can help them significantly improve the six minutes walking distance, comparing with the baseline and also comparing with the, the, the groups of the uh, same ages groups. Another index we uh, assessed is about the risk to, uh, the, for the patients to developing those of uh, 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 chronic uh, obstructive pulmonary disease, which is very common um, uh, symptoms for the uh, post-COVID patients. We found that the, the Chinese medicine treatment uh, uh, after the, uh, during the course and after the treatment can significantly reduce. We have a number set that around half uh, uh, percent of the before the, the, the treatment, those of the patients are the risk around the 20 percent to decrease to develop as a COPD. We've 
from the 20% to the 10%, which is a very significant difference. So based on those assessments, we found that the Chinese medicine treatment can improve the clinical symptoms, can improve the walking distance in the six minutes, and also reduce the risk of uh, COPD. Yeah, when you say three to six months treatment, now typically when you see a, a Chinese medicine doctor, you know, they, they give you the herbs or whatever medicine and then you, you take it and then a week later they'll say, come back and we'll reassess. So this, the patients have to go through this reassessment and uh, re-prescription process for three to six months? Yeah. The patients will take uh, the, the clinical doctor will see the patient face to face and then to make the judgment about the patient's conditions. We have uh, 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 clinical practice guidelines in the studies to see how to uh, prescribe the, pa- the, the prescription for the patients. But the clinical doctors have the uh, authority to judge based on the patient's constitution and the patient's conditions to modify the prescriptions. Isn't that going to be rather expensive for the patients, three to six months reassessment every week? Um, yeah, the, some of the patients they may skip one or two times, but uh, if the, the stable the improvement is stable, uh, uh, we allow them to repeat the drugs, but not coming to face-to-face the, the, the consultations. All right, so Professor Bian, we'll have to leave it here for now. Thanks again for joining us this morning. That's Professor Bian Jiaosheng, Associate Vice President of Chinese Medicine Development at Baptist University. Many thanks also to you who shared your views with us today and, of course, to our guest presenter, Jenny Lam and producer Yuki. Now here's the weather, mainly cloudy with showers and a few thunderstorms. Sunny intervals later with highs of around 30 degrees. Winds moderate to fresh easterlies, occasionally strong offshore at first. And the outlook, sunny intervals with a few showers in the next couple of days. Right now it's 25 degrees, relative humidity 90%. The Transport Department is holding the Travel Characteristics Survey 2022 from September to December. Those selected will receive a letter and can respond via online questionnaire, telephone interview or face-to-face interview. Survey officers will wear a uniform and carry name tags for face-to-face interviews. All information collected will be kept confidential. Take part and help enhance the commuting experience. For inquiries, call 3900-1100. It's now 9.30, the news with Andrew Shirovsky. The Hong Kong Monetary Authority says 200